Baby, I'm a gangster too, and it takes me to tango. You don't wanna mess with me, mess with me. Baby, I'm a gangster too. <laughs> Trigger warning. This podcast may include explicit content that will take you out of your comfort zone and make you question reality. Listener's discretion is advised. Don't fuck with me, fellas! This ain't my first time at the rodeo. Welcome to our second installment. So in the last episode, we covered a lot of ground, made it all the way to Ace Ventura Pet Detective, the movie that launched Jim Carrey into superstardom. Today we are continuing our journey and enjoying some more laughs. So don't forget to make your reservation to room 237 to listen to the full episode. If you want, you can make your reservation and pay the one-time payment of $7.11 and enjoy the content all month long. And if you can't afford to continue the support, just cancel it at the end of September. (laughs) So I, uh, I hope to see you over there, of course. The link is in the show notes for you to check in. I also want to do a little housekeeping here as we're getting into the second week of September. September the 1st is the beginning of spooky season here on the Cosmic Peach podcast. And while we are enjoying our Jim Carrey miniseries, I consider September 1st the first day of fall. That means we're going wild. We're going crazy. We're jumping right in. I got my pumpkin spice ready to go. And uh, I begin the transition from summer into spook. So, if you're not following the Cosmic Peach Instagram, shame on you because we got a lot of fun stuff coming up on the Cosmic Peach uh, Instagram. But let's just get right to the episode here. We're going in part two, Jim Carrey, Superstardom. Here we go. Welcome to Juice Mania, the show that takes a look at the wonderful world of juice. This week, the Juice Weasel. And now, here's your host, Morty Langstone. today's host, the incredible, most amazing guest we've ever had, Juicy J. Cornish. Wow. wow, Juicy J, that was an incredible feat of strength. Thank you, Gordy. I took my whole family on long trips like this. Well, uh, wow, man, where's your family now, Jay? They're all dead. I outlived them all. That's the beauty of the Juice Weasel. Wow, that's incredible, huh? Yo, come on up here. Come on up. 
You seem like a healthy young man. How old are you? I'm 21. 21, huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> He's 21, but I'm still standing. I found the secret of eternal life. I looked into God's eyes, and you know what I saw? The juice weasel. Hey, folks, can you tell me what time it is? Time to juice! That's how much organic matter you need every day. Now, you could eat it in that form, but sooner or later, you're going to get tired of wiping your butt. <laughs> Another problem is fruit. How do you get at it? Look, what do I do with it? You need to be a NASA scientist to get inside that thing. Have you ever tried to drink a raw carrot, Gordy? <laughs> it can't be done. Wow, I get it. Now that's where the juice weasel comes in. Yes. The juice weasel separates the fiber from the juice, saving only the most essential elements. That's the beauty of my design, Gordy. I want you to try something. Sure, Jay. A little concoction I made before the show. Okay. <coughs> Ooh, that tastes like somebody's dirty undershorts. Not just somebody's, Gordy. They're mine. <laughs> but see... The undershorts are gone. All that's left is the life-giving juice. That's incredible. All right. What's up, everyone? Thank you for joining me for part two of our Jim Carrey series. So in the last episode, we covered a lot of ground and made it all the way to Ace Ventura Pet Detective, the movie that launched Jim Carrey into superstardom. Today, we're picking right back up where we left off. And by that, I mean our next movie on the list. That's right. We're jumping right into it. We've got a lot of ground to cover today. Of course, the full version of this episode is only available on Patreon. So head on over and make your reservation to room 237 for the full version of all four parts. Now, Today, we're beginning with The Mask, 1994, release date, the year I was born, oddly enough. This is the story of Stanley Ipkiss. Stanley, you are the nicest guy. <laughs> really, you are. His job is at the bank. You're 40 minutes late. Now, that's the same as stealing. I'm sorry, Mr. Dickey. It, it'll never happen again. He loves his dog. Come on, Ron. Give him to me. Drop it. He's polite to his landlord. Kiss. do you have any idea what time it is? You know, Mrs. Peenman. What? Nothing. And the most exciting thing in his life are his pajamas. But now... Hey, you! What are you doing down there? I'm just looking for... my mask! All that is about to change. <laughs> Because Stanley Ipkiss is not the man he used to be. Smoking! It's like it brings your innermost desires to life. You become some sort of love-crazy wild man. I want him here tomorrow. A lot. Now you have to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Do you? Punks? 
Jim Carrey is... That's the guy! Hello! The Mask. Ooh, somebody stop me! Now, The Mask is a 1994 American superhero comedy film directed by Chuck Russell and produced by Bob Engelman from a screenplay by Mike Werb and a story by Michael Fallon. Loosely based on the comics published by Dark Horse Comics, it is the first installment in the Mask franchise. It stars Jim Carrey in the title role along with Cameron Diaz in her film debut. Bet y'all didn't know that shit. First ever appearance by Cameron Diaz. Now, Jim Carrey plays Stanley Ipkiss, a hapless everyday bank clerk who finds a magical wooden green mask that transforms him into the mask a green face troublemaker with the ability to animate and alter himself and his surroundings at will he starts using these powers mischievously only to become targeted by this gangster dude right So, here's some background on the film. Filming began on August 30th, 1993, and concluded in October 1993. We have our eight popping up already. Now, the film was released on July 29th, 1994 by New Line Cinema, becoming a critical and commercial success. The film grossed over $351 million on an $18 million budget, which made it the most profitable film based on a comic up to that point. The film also introduced the resurgence of swing music in the 1990s. It cemented Carrie's reputation as a significant actor of the 1990s, and it established Diaz as a leading lady. And I have an interesting fun fact about her a little bit later. But so Carrie was nominated for a Golden Globe for his role, and the film was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, but lost to Forrest Gump. (laughs) A standalone sequel, Son of the Mask, was released in 2005, But it was a critical failure and box office bomb. I don't know if you watched it. Don't. Now. So as we know. Diving into the movie here. While looking over the harbor bridge in despair. Stanley tries rescuing a humanoid looking figure in the waters. But finds it to be a pile of garbage concealing a wooden mask. Upon returning to his apartment and donning the mask, he transforms into a green-faced, zoot-suited trickster known as the Mask, who can animate and alter himself and his surroundings at will. With newfound confidence, Stanley indulges in a chaotic rampage through the city, humiliating several of his tormentors, including his temperamental landlady, Agnes. 
and assaulting the mechanics who gave him the faulty car along with some street thugs who he distracts with balloon animals um, before scaring them off with a Tommy gun. But now listen, the mask is out there living his best life until he finally gets caught up and starts panicking. Later, Stanley consults Dr. Arthur Newman, a psychiatrist who has recently published a metaphorical book on masks and deduces that the mask may be a creation of Loki, the Norse god of mischief, and its powers are only active at night. Though Newman believes it is mythology, he concludes that the mask's personality is based on Stanley's repressed desires. Now, later that night, Stanley meets Tina at a local park as the mask until they are interrupted by Kellaway, who attempts to capture them. Stanley flees with Peggy after he distracts the police with a mass performance. She then betrays him to the gangster guy for a $50,000 bounty. The gangster then dons the mask, becoming a bulky and demonic green-faced being. The gangster's henchmen force Stanley to reveal the location of the stolen money before turning him into the police. And of course, as you all probably know, there's a big standoff and Stanley is the hero in the end, gets the girl and throws the mask back into the harbor. But what a lot of people don't know is that one unused mask idea, according to producer Mike Richardson, was to transform the story into one about a mask maker who took faces off corpses to put them on teenagers and turn them into zombies. Okay, let me repeat that. We've all seen the mask, right? Totally different storyline. But what a lot of people don't know is that one unused mask idea, according to producer Mike Richardson, was to transform the story into one about a mask maker who took faces off of corpses and put them on teenagers and turned them into zombies. Yeah, little dark there. I mean, it's already dark with the whole god of mischief Norse mythology thing, but that's even darker. So initially intended to become a new horror movie franchise, New Line Cinema offered the job of directing the film to Chuck Russell. Russell found the violence of the comic to be off-putting and wanted the film to be less grim and adult-oriented and more fun and family-friendly than the source material. The story itself is very esoteric and I see a lot of symbolism in there. And it doesn't surprise me the direction they originally wanted to go in. I'm giving this selection four gems, and I know a lot of you may disagree with me, but it was never one of my favorites. I do find the backstory to be highly interesting, because even changing it to the Norse mythology route, it's still pretty cryptic. And here's the fun fact about Cameron Diaz. She has herpes because she actually admitted it once in an interview. She takes Valtrex, you guys. So, sorry to crush your fantasies. But, 
Up next is one of my all-time faves and yours too, Dumb and Dumber. Oh yeah. Excuse me, could you tell me how to get to the medical school? You go straight ahead and uh, you make the left over the bridge. That's a lovely accent you have. New Jersey? Austria. Austria? <laughs> well then, <laughs> good day, mate. <laughs> Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. Uh-oh. What? What's the matter? You spilled the salt. That's what's the matter. Quick. Toss some salt over your right shoulder. What the hell? Hey. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? The yours? Uh-huh. Both of them? Yeah. <gasps> What's her last name? I'll look it up. Uh, starts with an S. So swim, swami. Slippy. Slappy, swimming, salmon, salmon, swanson, swanson? Maybe it's on the briefcase. Look on the. Oh, yeah! It's right here. Samsonite. I was way off. What happened, Harry? Some little Philly break your heart? No, it was a girl. Brayda Belcher. I thought we were going to be together forever. She give you any reason? Yeah, I called her up. She gave me a bunch of crap about me not listening to her enough or something. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention. That was good. I bathed them and I clipped them myself. And I stand by my performance. Go look at the fun bags on that hose hound. I'd like to eat her liver with some farver beans and a nice bottle of key ante. <laughs> Dumb and Dumber is a 1994, year I was born, how could it not be great, American comedy film directed by Peter Farley, who co-wrote the screenplay with Bobby Farley and Bennett Yellen. It is the first installment in the Dumb and Dumber franchise, starring Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. It tells the story of Lloyd Christmas and Harry Dune. Two dumb but well-meaning friends from Providence, Rhode Island, who set out on a cross-country trip to Aspen, Colorado, to return a briefcase full of money to its owner, thinking it was abandoned by a mistake, though it was actually left as a ransom. You all know the story. Oh, Harry. No. Harry. No. Come on, Harry. It's worse, Lloyd. My parakeet, Petey. Huh? 
He's dead. Oh. Oh, man. I'm sorry, Harry. What happened? His head fell off. His head fell off? Yeah, he was pretty old. Oh. That's it. I've had it with this dump. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off! Oh yeah, we're just getting to the good part. Head on over to the Cosmic Peach Patreon and make your reservation to enjoy the rest of this episode. The subscription is called Room 237. What's in Room 237? Thanks for asking, Danny. Let me show you something. Room 237 is an all-inclusive resort, if you will. There's no levels to this shit. If you subscribe, you get it all. Bonus content, extended versions of episodes, horror movie breakdowns and commentary, early access to all episodes, sneak peeks, behind-the-scenes content, video episodes, and whatever else I'm in the mood for. There are plenty of amenities to enjoy while checked in to room 237. Take a trip up the Sidewinder and stay a while. Check out anytime. But don't forget to stop by from time to time and visit your favorite caretaker. Get lost in the maze or binge 15 episodes and have a nervous breakdown. Whatever floats your boat. Thank you in advance for supporting the show and I can't wait to see you over there. Thank <laughs> you.